Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast Series. Today, we have Dr. Diana Green, Superintendent of Duval County Public Schools in Jacksonville, Florida, as our guest. DCPS is home to over 130,000 students and is the 20th largest public school district in the United States. Welcome again, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linovers, Vice President of Plexus. And today we have a very special guest from Duval County Schools in Northeastern Florida, right around Jacksonville area, um, Superintendent Dr. Diana Green. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I appreciate you could join us and um, hopefully things are going okay up in your school district, which is huge. Um, I know I always love to read little facts about the areas where you are. And I understand that Jacksonville is one of the largest cities area wise in the nation. It's absolutely massive. And I know that's just one city in this year's schools. Absolutely. And it is the largest city in the nation land wise. Isn't that crazy? It's like it's a very old city, too, isn't it? Yes, it is very old, very it has a lot of historic uh, sentiments for many people. Uh, we actually do a course for our high school students during the summer, and it is about just the um, African-American history in Jacksonville. That's mm. how powerful it is. That's how um, big it is in Jacksonville that we offer this course for students to literally write curriculum for younger students to learn more about the history of Jacksonville. Really? So the, the kids help write this and put it together? Yes. Oh, I like that. Well, now, was, it, was that your idea? Is that part of your... Well, it's part of a, our team. Um, yeah, yeah. Dr. Dana Krisner, uh, who heads our African-American task force uh, in our state. There are levels of, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to say proficiency, but... Um, we were in the process of reaching the highest level of offering African-American studies in, in our schools. So we oh, offer wow. African-American studies as an elective course in all of our high schools. And uh, part of that was writing our own textbook. We literally worked with a third party company on getting um, primary sources of information and wrote our own Duval County African-American studies textbook. And out of that was this initiative to bring students in the summer. Uh, they, they are paid, by the way, they're paid for the okay. free, uh, to research. Uh, they have speakers. We bring in journalists, journalists, uh, historians to share that information with the students so that they understand how to put in primary sources, the difference between, you know, hearsay and factual information. And during those, during that three weeks, they pick their project and then write curriculum uh, for that. And the teachers come together to determine which grade level, what standards does this content match with for our state? And then what grade levels are the most appropriate? And these lessons are built into our curriculum guides for our, for our educators that were developed by our high school students. 
fantastic. I mean, what an experience for the kids. And also what an experience for you as a leader and the teachers and ministers to see these kids putting this together. It kind of gives me chills. I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true when I think about all the kids that I love and know I've seen grow up through school and where they are now. And to have that opportunity is, it's just going to be so engaging on all levels for the entire school district. Absolutely. What we found is last year, seniors, they have gone off to college and many of them have written back and said, can I come back during the summer and still participate? So we hired some of our um, freshmen, college freshmen who participated in their senior year to be student interns. So they support those high school students. So this upcoming year will be our third annual African-American writing uh, internship. And we continue to look forward to um, expanding and expounding on the rich history of Jacksonville. So a a perfect example, James Weldon Johnson. He was, Mm -hmm. he is from Jacksonville. Okay. He had students literally put their biography from birth to um, his death and uh, all the things that he had done prior to writing uh, Lift Every Voice. And he, he was an educator in Duval County. So they go really deep into the work. It isn't just surface, like creating, uh, you know, sheets of paper. It's, it's more than a workbook. Um, we've had students create actual games. Uh, the African-American wow. baseball team in Jacksonville was called the Red Caps. Mm-hmm. Um, they created a, a, a game for students to play, uh, a baseball game. Uh, some of our students have created uh, virtual field trips. Uh, that was That's cool, too. Them. So th- they have a lot of engaging. And these are the young people who know how other young people like to receive information. So right, exactly. They've gone beyond PowerPoint. They, they video. Uh, they put in a podcast. One of the students, they developed a podcast uh, of actually interviewing the brother of Rutledge H. Pearson. Rutledge H. Pearson was a historic figure in Jacksonville and his brother is still alive. The students developed a podcast in talking with his brother. So all kinds of activities that were developed by these young people and our teachers come behind them, you know, help them connect it to the standards. Uh, They work a lot on grammar, making sure, you know, you, you just can't, put out anything you really have to have it polished and be ready to publish when we put them in our curriculum guides every time the more you talk about it that's exciting i'm definitely going to check this out now that i know that this is happening in your district you know when when you think about the importance of you know whether it's university or high school of these quote elective courses you know, and having it be part of the core curriculum with African-American studies and how important it is to the history of our country for people to understand where things were and where they are now and what we still have to work towards to make sure people remember what happens and what's happening every single day. And I love that they get to use their voice to do that. And you guys are lifting them up as part of the standards. You know what I mean? All that stuff that you're integrating into is really powerfully demonstrating to them, hey, we can do this and make a difference. 
Absolutely. This, this idea actually came from one of our students. Uh, I, I was talking with a group of students and the students said, uh, Dr. Green, we are tired of learning about the same old African-American uh, historic figures like Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, sure. <laughs> nothing, nothing against Dr. Martin. Of course. It's just funny. You're like, we're tired of learning about him, but I understand. That makes sense. Um, hearing the same, you know, the Underground Railroad, the same historic figures, they, they felt like, I know that there's more and we're not going deep enough. And that this was an initiative that we said, well, let's start with our own city that has um, a rich uh, tradition of history that basically is being untold. And mm -hmm. so we mm -hmm. it there. I, I see this going to then now looking at our state what other history can we get, garner from the state of from the state of Florida, and then nationally to ensure that our students in grades K through twelve have a rich uh, African American history that's tied to our African American history standards that we're required to teach in the state of Florida. Does, does Florida have a Florida history course that's required as curriculum? U.S. history is US history. world history. African-American okay. history is an elective okay. that is offered in our high schools. The only reason is I know in California, the kids have to take, you know, uh, learn about the missions and, you know, the kind of the history of what all that is. I think it's fourth grade. They build a mission. They do all this stuff. Part of the history of being here, right, of, of what it came out of. And, again, I'm just more curious as far as what, Florida standards are because I don't know them inside and out. And, you know, we don't have to get into deep discussion about standards, but I think it's awesome that you're going to be doing that um, with this and, and just letting these kids talk about it and, and lifting everybody up to make sure people know what's happening and what's happened. Absolutely. And uh, at the end of this podcast, I'll be more than happy to send you the video that kind of. Yeah. Be put out there so that people can see what our students are doing and how excited they are to be a part of of, of this initiative. Please do. You know, we we will we'll put out on all of our channels as far as communication and promoting it. And I mean, that's what we love to do. Places is connect with people, and you know, just hearing this just gets me really excited about what these students get to do every single day and the things they get to think about. Um, and, and I know that's one of the reasons I love working in education. I've been in higher education and working with high school students for many years to get them into college, right? And that's not it's as simple as A plus B equals C. We all know that. <laughs> they have to, there's a lot more to it. And what you do is incredibly complex. And to give this kind of voice and development and even the social emotional part that they get to wrap around and feel cared for because they're engaging hey this is part of our history and past and the current history it's pretty cool absolutely and you hear it in their voices when you watch this video that the experience was yes they're paid but they probably would participate if they weren't being paid because of the information that they're learning uh they take field trips every 
we take them to any historic site. We literally take them there. Um, like I said, we have historians that come in and speak to them, journalists awesome. and talk with them. So it's very engaging. There, there's really very limited classroom time. The classroom time is about developing their projects. How do they take all the information they've gathered and put it into some type of, and I say project, but it's really curriculum. Right, and, right. You know, we really want, you know, you can have a worksheet, but we really don't want just worksheets. We want something that will engage students and really bring history alive to uh, whichever grade level it's appropriate for. You know, as a as a non, I guess, teacher, professor, academic, right? Been in administration for a long time, talking about people going to school. I understand the education process, but I have never built curriculum myself, right? So when when you talk about building curriculum and walking someone through their development and understanding the subject to you know, either somewhat mastery or mastery, you know, when you look at this and you see them doing that, do you see that transformation in them to understanding what it means to do this? Absolutely. Because even if they are allowed to have a worksheet, that worksheet just can't be simple recall or give a simple main idea. We actually teach them about the standards. Mm. And so if a standard says summarize the conclusion of something, they, they are taught what the summarize, what does that mean? Um, what does it look like for students to show mastery? And so the teachers, that's why teachers are there to help support them uh, in their project, to help them develop these worksheets. And what we hear from them is that, now I understand why you give us ABC or XYZ. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they understand why they have to uh, have an exit ticket. That's one of our practices in, 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 in our classrooms is that at the end of every content area, there's considered an exit ticket. And so they all had to develop exit tickets for mm -hmm. all of their projects. And it, it brought their own learning to life for them. Now they kind of, you know, it's that metacognition. They right, right. understand the learning behind the learning. Absolutely. It, it, it just really um, improved their academic out, outlook, pretty much. How they viewed what was happening in their own classrooms. And I many of them would say, you know, I have a greater appreciation. I just, I, this is so fun to talk about. That's why I'm just like, hey, I love this. This is such a unique thing for me to be able to, you know, chat with you about what the kids are doing, what they're involved in. Because you, you do hear about other districts and what they're doing. And each one has a, a unique piece of how they're engaging and working with the kids, but that kind of empowerment is what we strive for in education. Mm -hmm. And you get to talk about it and then not only talk about it, but show what the kids are doing. And, you know, you mentioned that they're being paid. I mean, we all get paid to do something, right? Like, isn't that the, like, yes, your knowledge can be used and get paid for it. Even as you develop 
Now, have you seen people potentially maybe become teachers or educators as a result of this? They're thinking about it? Well, this is last year was just our second year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so students uh, really are engaged in the process. Gotcha. Uh, our goal was not to convince them to go into teaching. Our goal was to <laughs> help them have a greater appreciation for the rich history in the city in which they live. Yeah. Uh, however, what we are seeing is that many of the students are having bigger dreams. Mm. They're thinking about, you know, I just did this. So I could, I maybe could do something bigger than what I thought I was capable of doing. That's, That's what true. in them that they're thinking, you know, college might've been, you know, maybe, but now when they complete that internship, many of them are saying, yes, college is, is absolutely on my radar. And it's something I want to accomplish. Students apply for the privilege to be a part of the internship. Okay. Um, yes. So that makes sense. Year, we had over 500 students apply for the internship and we hired about 350. Wow. Um, so that's a lot of students. That <laughs> uh, but you know, discipline was never an issue. These students desired to be a part of it. Uh, and so every project has a team. So there's a team of uh, five to six students that work together to create their lesson plan. Okay. And the, the curriculum guide to go with their lesson plan. And at the end, this past school year, we had uh, all of our principals go through a walkabout. That means all the projects were out, the students were there explaining their projects. And so principals for the first time were engaged in seeing the end product of what was produced. And again, we, our curriculum, district curriculum team takes the projects and infuse it into the district curriculum guide based on the appropriate grade level. Love it. So there's teams, they apply, the teachers are there working with them. They get that real special taste of being with a small group and develop them all the way through. And then they get to really show everybody what they've done. I mean, that's that's like perfect education in a nutshell. And think about it like this is just awesome. They learn and they and they get to do this. I, I just really love hearing about it. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Definitely. Whenever I hear about these initiatives and what's happening, I mean, I know it's more than an initiative. You're taking your youth and developing them into competent thinkers, thoughtful individuals. And the other thing that comes to my mind is the impact that that has on family members who see them doing this and the knowledge that they get to talk about. I'm sure they love talking about it too, don't they? Yes, um, <laughs> they love talking about their their projects and and the fact that they get to see their projects being utilized in schools. Um, teachers give feedback. Teachers write letters to let them know. Thank you for the lesson plan on James Weldon Johnson. My fifth graders truly enjoyed it and all the things that they did with the, with the lesson plan. 
the students really just feel a sense of pride about this, this accomplishment and knowing that that curriculum will continue to be utilized for years to come. Absolutely. And students, all 125,000 of your students have the opportunity to take this elective when they go through high school, right? Absolutely. Now, do you have kids taking it that are like, hey, I want to take this course and signing up for it? Well, it's just a three-week internship. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, sorry. And <laughs> they don't have to do anything special. They they just have to have at least a 2.0 GPA. Um, they have to have one letter of recommendation. It can be from their parent, their teacher. It doesn't matter who the letter of recommendation um, is coming from. It just must be an adult that has knowledge of their work habits. Um, Then then they go through an interview and the interview, yeah. So they are interviewed by the teachers. Okay. The goal is to have student representation from every single high school. We have 19 high schools in Duval. So the goal is to have representation from all of the high schools. And it is a very diverse group of students. So yeah. It really is just simply if you're willing to work and and understand what you are required to do for the three week, then more than likely they'll they'll be chosen. Uh, it 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 is a tough job now uh, <laughs> for the teachers to eliminate students, but yes. you know, the goal is to keep the numbers around three hundred and fifty. And it's manageable and you can have that experience. Yeah. You know, I know you are one of the largest school districts in the country as far as total population. You mentioned 17 high schools. I know there's many, many more elementary and middle schools. Um, and this is just one thing that you're doing, which is making a difference. Um, what are what are some of the other things? You, I mean, there's so many things you can talk about. I was just thinking anything... <laughs> Uh, anything else you'd like to share or talk about related to things you have going on, you know, with your academic development or unique things or anything really? Well, you know, part of being one of the largest school districts, we're the 20th largest in the nation and we're mm-hmm. the second largest in Florida. And we're just coming sort of out of the pandemic and our numbers are growing. So now we're up to 129,000 students. We're That's significant. Back. Another 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're getting back to pre-pandemic numbers. We, oh, that's good. Pre-pandemic, we were a little over 130,000 students. Okay. But one of the things that we have committed to is supporting our local corporations, our local mm. industry. And so we partner with Jacks USA. That's our the economic development arm of the chamber in Dubai. Okay. And we have been developing uh, what we call academies. And one of the academies that we're we're most proud is our JEA Academy. JEA is the Jacksonville Electrical Authority. They're the utility. Okay. They're one of the few cities that owns its own utility company. <laughs> So we have worked with them and, and they talk to us about their need. Um, believe it or not, their big need is for 
linemen or line people. And so this academy that we've developed is twofold. It can go the more pragmatic pathway to a line person or lineman or the, the post-secondary engineering. And, and so this academy works with students starting, they, they start in 10th grade. And by the time they graduate high school, okay. if depending on which pathway they've chosen, they could have certification and could immediately be hired at JEA um, at not as a, I'm not going to use the right terminology, a pre-line person. They're sure, not sure. immediately <laughs> going into being a lineman. Or they utilize the early college um, yeah, yeah. And, and they will be well on their way to um, an AA degree already. They can graduate with an AA degree in, in the area of engineering. The awesome. goal is that these students will come back if they go post-secondary, that they will still come back and JEA is there waiting for them to come back and they want to hire them, as well as the students who take the pathway, they can immediately be hired in an entry-level position at JEA and JEA will continue the training for them. But that's just one. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, we have an academy with Johnson & Johnson. Uh, We have our teacher academy. We recognize we have our own shortage. And in that teacher academy, we partner with uh, our local university to uh, support these students, especially students who um, are male. They have scholarships for these students that will pay their full ride. We have made the commitment that if you want to work while you're in school, that we will hire you as a paraprofessional and oh, that's awesome. help you make your way through college. And, and then you're, you're guaranteed an open contract with the school district. So we've created these academies um, and we, we, our goal is to have one at every single high school mm-hmm. that is directly connected to an industry in our community um, or, or, or corporation. Our next academy that we are working on is JTA, Jacksonville Transportation Authority, yeah. uh, and how we can develop a, a course framework that, again, there are students that they can hire directly after they complete high school or the pathway going post-secondary with leaving with an AA. And in some cases we have AS degrees that we are offering at our high schools to ensure that students uh, know the opportunities available in our own community and that these are high wage paying jobs and that they don't have to leave Jacksonville to find a high wage, high wage paying job, but, but that they could stay locally. They can get their college degree. Uh, we work with four universities in, in our community. To I help feel it there. That's true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just real excited about the opportunities that we are providing for our students I think about when I graduated high school, that was just the beginning of dual enrollment. And it was, it was like, really unattainable, if you will. But now we are showing students that 
you know, it, it does not have to boil down. Can your family afford it? We will offer it in high school. And at, at the minimum, we can get two years of your college paid for through the school district. And, you know, you have opportunities for some of these corporations. They'll hire you immediately. And yeah. then for your last two years, if you, uh, you know, make the agreement to stay with them or you have two years under your belt and now you can go to the university, even if it's not in Jacksonville and fulfill your dreams that way. It, it is, the world is their oyster, if you will, for high school students today. They have so many options available yes. to them. I mean, those, the academies you talked about, you know, electrical transportation, teaching, um, and I, there's, I know there's probably lots more of the support with, you know, the companies hiring them. I mean, those things make a big, big difference in the midst of, like you said, inspiring them, engaging the kids and just making sure they, they see themselves, don't they, in a whole different light? Yes. Our goal is to help them see themselves gainfully employed and yeah. employed in a career. We also have a program for our students that, you know, high school may not have been the greatest experience for them. Right. Yeah. They are, they're just barely making a 2.0 and they're, they're at least going to walk across the stage. And we know that we're going to get them graduated, but colleges may not be something that they feel like is within reach at this at the time that they graduate. So we do a job fair for all students that want to participate that um, are in that space that post-secondary awesome. is really not on their radar at, right. at the time of graduation. And But we only allow corporations to be a part of this job fair. It is not to go, and there's nothing working at, there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but that's not who we're inviting. Of course, yeah. These are right. companies that are looking for entry-level individuals. Um, we have an aerospace company in Duval. They came to us and said, you know, we really want to hire students right out of high school. They're paid, you know, they started about $25 an hour. And I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I know when I look back at how much I made out of high school, I'm like, oh, I made nothing. Nothing. <laughs> now, when when they took us through their plan, we understand why they're offering $25 an hour. It is manual labor. It is repetitive labor. And, you know, we talked to them about, you know, the mindset of a high school student and some things that they mm -hmm. may need to consider when, when trying to uh, recruit at this job fair. And so it's, it's companies like that, that um, we are giving them feedback about the potential employee that would be coming to work for them, as well as them giving us feedback about, well, this is the type of employee we are looking for. And we have spent a lot of time supporting students. We, we offer training on interviewing skills. We offer training on how to present yourself 
for an interview. So it's a little boot camp we do with the students just prior to this job fair. So I think what I'm most proud of is that we have offered every pathway that we can possibly think of to success and that students have different talents and different weaknesses, but yet there's a pathway that we believe they can still follow that's going to help them be um, gainfully employed yes. uh, right out of high school or give them time to think about post-secondary or what they want to do in, with the rest of their life. You know, it's such a good point with having those pathways, you know, as I've had the honor and opportunity to talk to more, you know, superintendents, you know, you look at the stats and even though I have been in my career engaged with higher education, when I think about K to 12 and what you have to do and what you are responsible for, it's obviously getting them ready for college. It means they have an option. So it's really about bringing them opportunities for options to choose from and pathways to go on, like you already mentioned, so that they know they have something ahead of them, that the community knows. And and you're changing and growing with those needs as well. And, and I hear you saying that, too. It's like we're being responsive to the needs. People come to us, and then we go to them and tell them the needs of what this age group requires and that's that's definitely powerful dialogue and that must that must happen for you a lot in the district it's got to be a lot of fun to be at that table talking to these professionals and sharing about (laughs) your students and what you know they could do oh absolutely Uh, but we are very fortunate that our community is highly engaged with the school district so oh, many yeah. times yeah. they already know about our students. We've been, <laughs> <laughs> we've worked on, we have the mayor summer youth uh, internship. So the mayor awesome. of Jacksonville offers internships for high school students uh, in many different industries uh, across our county. Uh, so many times corporations have worked with our students and they're trying to figure out, well, how do I get this student to want to come back to my company and work as a a full-time employee? So it it really is about just sharing information back and forth and uh, getting that information out to our students. I love it. I love it. You know, I, in many of the podcasts, we kick it off with sharing about you know, the superintendent's background. If you don't mind, just take a few minutes. So how, you, I know you had, your, your background's impressive. And, you know, it's, you marched through and were superintendent in other areas, deputy superintendent teachers. So you've had all levels of experience. You know, when did you realize you wanted to be a superintendent or a law? Or talk about your journey to that role. Well, that's funny you say, when did I realize I wanted to be a superintendent? I don't know that that, I don't know that day when I I realized I want to be a superintendent. Um, Believe it or not, my dream job was to be deputy superintendent. And and this is three districts ago. Uh, Duval (laughs) is my third district. Uh, Deputy superintendent in Marion County. And my mentor was the deputy superintendent and I looked up to him and all I kept thinking is that's the job I want. That's the job. That's where I'm going to be in less than 10 years. And 
as fate would have it, I did. I ended up being the deputy superintendent in Marion County, Florida. That's a district that is about 42,000 students. Uh, and awesome. was actually just so content in that position. I mean, it it is the best job ever. You are in a position of influence, but you're not the final decision maker. There's, there's one more person, the superintendent. Uh, and I worked for um, Jim Yancey, who was the superintendent at the time. And he came to me, he says, I'm going to retire. I want you to run for superintendent. That's a <laughs> at the time the superintendent was elected. Right, right. And, uh, I really, I really did not want to do it, but he kept talking to me and convinced me <laughs> that that's what, what I needed to do. And interestingly enough, I did. I ran for superintendent. Um, it is an experience that I don't regret ever engaging in, but it surely taught me that that's not something I want to ever do again. (laughs) Running for office is not your favorite thing to do, I believe it. Uh, And and I did not win. And um, interesting enough, I decided, um, you know what, I I do hold the skills and um, the knowledge and I felt the wisdom to be a superintendent. So at that point, I think that's when I decided I would go the appointed superintendent route. And I applied. uh, I applied for the superintendency of Manatee County, which is a little further south in Florida. Okay. Uh, Again, that that district right now is about 50,000 students. And at the time, I did not get the position. I was like number two. And they hired uh, a gentleman from outside the state. And that gentleman called me and asked me to come be the deputy superintendent. And uh, again, as I stated, best job ever. So, of course, I, I, I took it. Uh, and and then he retired and they hired me as the superintendent. In okay. So I was man- superintendent of Manatee County for three years. And then Duval County came be- came open. And what I haven't shared is my first year of teaching was in Duval County. So I graduated from the University of North Florida Okay, and and thought to myself, how powerful would it be to go back to the place where I started? Mm -hmm. And I struggled as a brand new teacher. And I felt like if I go back, I want to make sure that that's not an issue for new teachers in Duval County, because I know I struggled when I first started. And I applied and, you know, as they say, the rest is history. And here I am. Uh, This is my fifth year in Duval. And I, I feel that this community has embraced me. We've, we've gone through so much in Duval. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Just in the last four years. Oh boy. So we went through school renaming. We renamed uh, six schools that were named after Confederate soldiers. Uh, That definitely was uh, 
a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, we've passed two taxes. We passed a half cent sales tax for, we have the oldest buildings in the state of Florida. We passed a half cent sales tax for school renovation and um, building new schools. Oh, and that's awesome. this, this past August, we just passed a one mil tax to increase compensation for our educators. So I, I've been very blessed to have a great board. Our school board is a seven member board and it, it has been unbelievable to work with individuals that have a diverse uh, mindset, uh, but at the same time have a single focus for what's best for what we call Team Duval, um, DCPS. I tell people all the time, we may not agree, but we are amicable in our disagreement and we continue to come back to our primary focus, which is teaching and learning and, you know, how to do what's best for our students. And, and it's just been a wonderful opportunity to be the superintendent. And uh, I find it humbling uh, and really um, powerful because you can be superintendent anywhere um, if that's your desire. Um, but that's to be true. a superintendent of a large urban school district is is like nothing ever. Um, the the amount of challenges that we face oh, uh, yes. every day is is can be overwhelming. But I am very fortunate to have an amazing team, an amazing cabinet and individuals who have dedicated their careers to ensuring that our students have the best opportunity. So you're essentially running a city within a city, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> a very big city, 100, 130,000 people is not a small city. I mean, now <laughs> 13,000 employees on top of that. <laughs> everything in between it's you know i in talking to you and addison and some of the other large districts and then you know when i talk to some of the superintendents in arkansas and tennessee who have 800 to a thousand students you realize it's incredibly varied and everyone talks about it and you mentioned it multiple times your team is what makes the difference and whether you can truly you know put this vision together collaboratively to drive the next level of students through their education all the way through. It's amazing. Yes. You know, I don't want to discount small school districts because being superintendent yeah, is a challenging yeah. job. I don't yeah. care if you're 800 <laughs> students or yeah. as large as Hillsboro, which they're, they're larger than us uh, yeah. with 250,000 students. The job of superintendency today is one of great challenges and I am constantly reminding not only superintendents, but my, my, my team that you better have a, uh, an anchored why you do this job. Uh, that's a good point. You, you better know why you do this, because if you're doing it for money, that's not that why will blow up and burn very quickly. Um, if your why is about bringing the best out of individuals, whether these individuals are students, 
teachers, staff, administrators, then that's the beginning. But today you have to change your mindset because that was my same why many years ago. But my mindset today has changed in how I have to accomplish that why. The things that I have to engage in and conversations that I have to have with individuals truly challenge the why each and every day. And if you don't have the right mindset, your your why will no longer be good enough to stay in the profession. I think that's such a good point is, you know, as educators, we, we love what we do. Like that, that drive to be part of what we want to give back is truly important at all levels. And it's, it's good to hear you say that to remind me like, yes, yes. And to remind our listeners, you know, those of you who are dedicated superintendents, like you mentioned, just a lightning rod for everything. Everyone's like, well, superintendents fall. Like, no, it's not. It's we have to, we have to listen and figure it out together. It's <clears throat> amazing role. Amazing role. Like you mentioned, the small districts and the large districts and just to hear the commitment and love of the communities that they're in. And like you said, I love that your first teaching job was in Jack in Duval County. And yeah. now you're superintendent Duval County. That's <laughs> such cool bookends. Like for you to be there. And I was talking to a superintendent in Tennessee who grew up in that town, graduated from high school and came back 25 years later to lead the school district. And I was like, that's, Awesome. I was like, so did you go down by the river and see everything? You saw those kids like, oh yeah, all the memories came back. I'm sure for you too, it must have. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Jacksonville definitely has changed since uh, I was here as a teacher. But uh, as they say, the more things change, the more things stay the same. So (laughs) (laughs) that's true. That's true. So I, I I just really enjoyed being the superintendent here. And as I stated, the community has truly embraced me. They they've they've shown up for our teachers, our students, and and I'm just very appreciative and humbled by their commitment. Well, you know, I I, I think it's a perfect place to end on that note. You know, I, I appreciate having your time to be able to share this and to be able to share this with, you know, our, our Plexus connections and everyone in higher education. Um, and also just what you're doing in the school district, just amazing things. And, you know, we're definitely hoping for the best, praying for the best for you all there, of course, always. And, you know, when I'm in town visiting family, I'll definitely say hello, you know, make sure I say hello and stop by. I always love to meet superintendents. I get a chance to do a podcast with. It's fun, you know, building relationships and and being connected is what I love to do as well. So thank you. We would appreciate uh, you stopping by and I just want to say thank you, David. This really has been um, like just a conversation sitting on the front porch, drinking iced tea. And (laughs) (laughs) it was a, it was a good way to highlight our school district and, uh, the community that I live in. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share this information with the greater communities out there. Welcome. What a pleasure. Very much. 
Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.